Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. This morning's first reading is from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 8. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and in delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness, and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves? and you take no knowledge of it. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness and to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house? when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And from the gospels we read in Mark chapter one, verses nine through 13, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Thanks be to God for his holy word. You know how I love words and looking up the etymology of them, and I think I find something clever. So I looked up Lent thinking, well, let's see. And in French, it means slow. It looks like the root of the word lengthen or long. And it's got some deep meaning. Then I found out Lent is a Middle English word for spring. <laughs> so I, I, I tried, didn't work out that well. But with, with this past Wednesday, with, with Ash Wednesday, we begin a season of, of Lent. Uh, every year, I think we need to explain it a little bit. Certainly, New Orleans is famous for the eve of Ash Wednesday, Mardi Gras, which is called Fat Tuesday because in the old tradition, you made the, the, the Polish make the pachkis, if I'm pronouncing it right, the donuts, 
And you get rid of all the lard, you get rid of the meat, you get rid of the fat out of your house. So you eat all that on that Tuesday and it's called Fat Tuesday and it becomes a time of celebration. In Germany, it's Karneval in some areas, Fasching in others, Fastnacht, Fastabends. Germans have a lot of dialects, but the eve of the fast anyway. And they put on dunce caps and parades and silly songs and poetry and some of it's a bit, let's be kind and say ribald poetry. Uh, they, they party hard. I was a little startled once or twice that Kathy and I were able to go to some fashing celebrations. Stretched my German, I'll tell you, but some parts of Germany, they party hard. Anyway, to get ready for a time of repentance, reflection, and fasting. I think I'd probably tell the story every year of going to a, an assisted living home in Bangor while I was in seminary. And about every month I go to a communion service. And uh, the activity director called me one day. It was right down the end of the street where we lived. I could just about walk to it. And she said, would you, would you come do communion this next week? Sure. And we need you to answer a question. Okay. Why is Ash Wednesday more than 40 days before Easter? And 40, remember, is a time of completion in Hebrew tradition and Hebrew scripture and the Bible and in life. I mean, how long did God make it rain to flood the earth for a new beginning? 40 days and nights. How long did the Hebrews have to wander in the wilderness after they were unfaithful about entering the promised land? A full generation of 40 years. How long did Jesus fast in the wilderness after his baptism to be completely hungry and completely dead? 40 days. How long does a woman bear a child? 40 weeks. God has worked 40 into our very lives as a time of completion. So 40 days of preparation for remembering the greatest gift ever given humankind. But Ash Wednesday is more than 40 days before Easter. Does anybody remember, it's like a trivia question, why there are more than 40 days? I don't want to tell you, Brian. We don't count the Sundays. For a Christian, every Sunday is a little Easter, and you don't fast on a Sabbath. Because fasting, if we did it right in the old world, was considered a hardship. And the Sabbath was made for our comfort and worship of God, not to be a hard day, as the Bible says, for man or beast. So we don't count the Sundays. We don't have to fast on a Sunday. But what is fasting? It's not a, a strong part of congregational tradition, really. But we've had times when the president of the United States, presidents over the centuries, have called for a day or days of fasting and prayer for the sake of the nation, especially Abraham Lincoln when we were at war. So what's a fast? I happened to be in Morocco with a couple of three cadets when Ramadan was starting up one year. Ramadan for Muslims is a, a period of, of fasting and prayer and special time. And I've got to say the, the Moroccans I was with are not real strict Muslims. One, most of them weren't fasting. Two, they make wine and drink scotch, and you're not supposed to drink alcohol in Islam, so they, they in some ways faithful, some ways not. No judgment there. They're good people that we've visited with. 
But here's one captain, and they, we were heading for the, the dining hall for lunch, and he was headed off to pray. And they said, oh, he's a, a Frere Muslim. He's, he's a, he fasts during Ramadan, truly fasts. Well, I looked at him, and let's just say his uniform was cut kind of full, okay? For a soldier, he was a little on the rolly side. I looked at him, and they could tell by the look on my face, he's fasting? And they said, well, <clears throat> fasting, you see, is from sunup to sundown. You don't eat or drink. And this guy had his wife getting up in the wee hours of the morning preparing this lavish, huge, we might call it a full English breakfast or whatever the Moroccan equivalent was. And by golly, when the, last, when the first star appeared in the sky, supper was hitting the table and there was plenty of it. I'm not sure he had the spirit of fasting down pat. Again, I don't want to judge it, but he put on weight during Ramadan, and that's not fasting. So what then is fasting? Proper fasting was to refrain from eating and drinking from sunup to sundown. Children, pregnant women, the elderly, the infirm were exempted from that, especially the fluids. You've got to keep, keep hydrated. So exempted from the, the physical hardship of it because it's not meant to hurt us. It's meant to focus us on things spiritual, not physical. So we refrain from the physical. You didn't comb your hair on a fasting day. Some homes cover the mirrors, especially when they're grieving. You didn't put any, whatever the brill cream of the day was, you didn't dress your hair with anything either. You don't wear any perfume when fasting. Um, close personal relationships are not exercised when fasting. You don't, you're not intimate. Again, sun up to sundown every day. Take away from the physical, reflect on the spiritual. Now, I like the tradition, and we. We don't observe it in this church. It's not part of our culture. But I used to go see the Episcopal chaplain at 6 in the morning when I was teaching at West Point because I could get the, the ceremony of the ashes on Ash Wednesday, a reminder of our mortality is all that is. Using ashes from the palms of the previous Palm Sunday to remind us how fickle we can be too. But then I'd go wash it off. And, of course, you're supposed to wear it all day in some traditions, but... Jesus said, don't let people know you're fasting. He overturned the old rules because, as you can read in the, the prophet, people would put, they'd lay on sackcloth, they'd throw ashes on themselves, they'd, they'd mourn aloud and, and make it very clear to everyone how badly they were suffering when they fasted. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not what it's for. God knows if you are focused on the spiritual instead of the physical. God knows if you're not eating and perfuming and combing your hair and whatever else. He says, comb your hair, wash your face, look normal, do the fasting for God to see, not for others to see. So while I appreciated the ceremony, I went and washed, I don't know if I was doing the right thing or not, but I didn't want to, I was in a uniform too and I was a little conscious of that, so I cleaned it off. Hypocrite, I guess. Fasting. And even back as far as Isaiah, God says through the prophet, 
You're showing off, basically, put it in modern English. The sackcloth, the ashes, the wailing, the moaning, the mussing your hair up extra, the putting dirt on your face. That's not what I need. He says, fast from exercising your temper. Fast from exercising power over those who work for you. Fast from doing evil, hateful, hurtful things to one another. He says, the fast that I want is for you to do something. And during our Ash Wednesday service, part of what we mentioned was almsgiving. That in depriving ourselves, and in some traditions they say, listen, if you're going to fast on Fridays in Lent, give the cost of the meal to a, to a charity, preferably a religious one. Give away what you're saving. Don't just bank it. Don't dedicate it to God or, or like this Moroccan cat that eat it after sundown. Give it away. Give it to those who are hungry without having to deliberately fast. Give it to those who are cold in weather like this and may not have all the warm clothing that we need in New England at this time of year. He said, loose the bonds of wickedness. Undo the straps of the yoke. Let the oppressed go free. It might be a time of, of fasting that someone would consider if they had indentured servants, where someone would basically sell their life service. It's one step shy of slavery, honestly. And it existed into the 19th century in this country. Um, to let people go. Give people freedom back. Let them work honestly with their heads up. Take care of others. He says, then your light will break forth. Then the other peoples will see the holiness that is in you. What would that look like for us? Now, I don't think we muss up our hair. Burl cream's not as popular as it used to be anyway, although hairspray maybe once in a while, I don't know. I can tell I don't bother. I don't wear aftershave because it irritates people's noses when I'm visiting some people. I got out of that habit when I was a hospital chaplain, but, you know. Is that feeding anybody? Or is the fasting to fast from the ways in which we might irritate God during our normal day? To govern the tongue, that can be such a hurtful thing. To stymie gossip. Well, I was just saying, no, it's gossip, you know that. To give to others who need it, to not pass by, like the priest and the Levite who passed by the man on the side of the road when a Samaritan stopped. Be the Samaritan. Be the one that gives and helps. And reflect why. Reflect why we are preparing for Holy Week because we're going to remember the most difficult things God ever did for us and the most loving things God ever did for us. And this is our time of preparation. So fast from the things that make us selfish. Fast from the things that reflect not the best of our human nature. And not merely deprive ourselves of something, but use that to give it away. Use that to love others better. One of, the, one of the fastings I need to do is to grant some forgiveness for some things in my life to others. I'm not proud to say I've been working for it for a couple of Lents now. 
So pray that God grant me that strength to do the penance I need, to do the fasting I need during Lent too. You know I say we a lot in sermons, don't I? Pray that, that God grant me some Lenten strength this year that the last couple of years haven't quite fulfilled. He must want me to develop something in the process. I don't know what yet. But that's part of what this time is for. I remember as a, when, I, when I had to solve that problem for the, the uh, assisted living, come to find out that in one little, little pods in this assisted living place, it was a very nice one, these two ladies were having a pointed discussion about when Lent really started. Wow, they must be serious about their prayers, right? Serious about their faith. They wanted to know when they should put away the bowl of hard candies that was what they gave up for Lent. And I remember as a kid in youth fellowship or even confirmation class, no show of hands, I'll show it for you. You give up chewing gum or you give up a certain candy. If you're really tough, you give up desserts. None of those cost me much. When I thought I was fasting as a kid, to give up something. I will say that the year in the Tremont Church that I gave up cream and sugar in my coffee, those who know me well know I'm a kind of an addict. Every time I reached for the coffee mug and took a sip while I was writing my seminary papers, oh, time to pray. And the ladies of the Tremont Ladies Aid Society said, oh, by Easter you'll love your black coffee. Nope, Easter Sunday morning, as soon as we were done with the sunrise service, I was dosing the coffee and they were ashamed of me. Again, it sounds silly, doesn't it? When God calls us to fast from the frustrating, irritating things that make us people and to focus on denying ourselves so that we can give the love, the forgiveness, yes, the food, the clothing, the support that we can give to others and in so doing reflect on how much God loves us that we have the things of which to deprive ourselves. And he gives us the opportunity to share those with others. That is a holy Lent. That is a Lent that prepares us in reflection, prayer. Yeah, a little self-deprivation, but a whole lot of giving. Prepares us to celebrate the wondrous, wondrous gift that we're going to celebrate in about six weeks. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.